Wishing everyone a good Chodesh. Chodesh Tammuz. Chodesh Tammuz has arrived. The month of Tammuz. 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 Tammuz is not a, not not an easy month. We have Shavasa but Tammuz coming up. We have the three weeks coming up. I was listening a little bit to some things that I said last year around this time, and it was like, wow, you know, like we thought that we were in a real difficult situation a year ago. And then I'm thinking about, whoa, you know, where are we holding today? Where are we holding today? And I think the topic that uh, I wanted to talk about is a topic which I think it's worthwhile to talk about and to explore, which is, uh, you know, Israel. Is this what we have been waiting for for 2,000 years? Medinat uh, Yisrael in its present, in its upcoming state. So before we get into that, um, you know, just give you, like I always do, try to give a little bit of what's been happening in Israel, and some of you might be following the news, uh, and you get to see it, but I think I get a little bit of a more uh, inside scoop for yourselves. You know, there were a lot of different things that took place this week. We had just yesterday or two days, I can't even remember anymore, we had again tremendous fires all around Jerusalem, our wonderful, wonderful Arab neighbors who really want to destroy us. So when they don't get their way with missiles and bombs, so they they decide to make uh, fires. What was interesting about this particular fire that it took place in the area surrounding uh, Malach Hamisha and Abu Ghosh. And Abu Ghosh is an Arab village. So it was like, you know, very interesting that some of the Arab villages themselves, they were being um, uh, affected by the fires and everything else. So it's like, you know, like there's no rhyme and reason to the um, to the sinner that surrounds us. That was one thing that took place. Another thing that took place, which was also a miracle, and said so there was a miracle that no one got hurt in these fires because a lot of they thought that you know houses were going to go and people had to be evacuated and the fires are really like horrific, horrific. Another thing that took place is that this week it was in Shari Tzedek Hospital. You might have seen some of the videos about it. Um, they've constructed a new section of the parking lot and all of a sudden in the middle of the day the parking lot gave way and there was a, a sinkhole and you know the videos are pretty horrific of cars falling into the to the chasm um, beneath and for many many hours they were digging out because they weren't sure if there were any victims and Baruch Hashem HaKadosh Baruch Hu made it that no one should be in their cars at that time and it has to do with, with, uh, with, with the construction that's going on in Jerusalem. There's a lot, tremendous amount of construction. But we all know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one that's in charge of everything. And there's no question. Parshish Kairach, right? Uposach Espiyah. The Parshish speaks about that Moshe Rabbeinu said that the, the mouth of the, of the earth should open up and should swallow up Kairach Vadoso. So it's like there's no more greater toe, show and tell that to see it literally in front of you, you literally see that, uh, you know, the earth opens up and things get swallowed up. Someone told me a little bit of a joke that perhaps it was Kairach had decided to buy a new, a new car. So Akash Baruch said, well, you know, that's also got to go down into the, into the earth in 2021. You know, that's also got to go down. So he like swallowed it up. Kairach's cars went down there. But uh, Baruch Hashem, there was no loss of life, and it's, all it was was just was just um, machines. 
So we can live with that. We can live with that. And we can live with fires. But really, come on. Like, what's going on around here? Is this normal? Is it normal to have corona for over a year and a half? Is it normal to have, in Israel, we're walking around without masks. In other places in the world, they're still walking around with masks. Is it normal to have all the tragedies that we've had in the last few months, which we tend to forget so quickly because we go on to the next piece of news and we lose sight of the fact that people have lost tremendous, tremendous loved ones, both in Moron and in the war and in, and in Karlin Stalin. HaKadosh Baruch is speaking to us so clearly. And then we have an election and a post-war, uh, how would I say, conglomerate of so-called democracy, where eight parties are banding together in order to remove Benjamin Netanyahu from office. That's the main reason what they want to do, remove him from office. And it doesn't make a difference if there are vast uh, ideologies which are so, so completely, completely incompatible with each other. But for the sake of, of um, getting rid of Bibi, it's worthwhile to go through this. And uh, all I can say is, is that the first thing we want to speak about, try to put things into perspective, was something I said today in the Shmuz of the Yeshiva, was a mimer from Reb Chatzkel. Reb Chatzkel at Levenstein was the great mashkiach in the Mir in Shanghai, in Europe, and then Shanghai, and then he came to Ertzul, and he was the mashkiach in Ponovich. In Ponovich, I was offered to be at his Levaya when I first came to Ertzul many, many years ago, before all of you were born. Yeah, I was I was here in Eretz Yisrael studying in the mirror, and I went to Panovich for the first time, and I heard Shach Zatzal being Masvid Pchatzko. Who can hear Pchatzko? So Pchatzko says these words. I'm just going to say a little bit of the words of Pchatzko. Pchatzko speaking about a mimer that's dealing with a mimer of Amuna and Gula. Amuna and Gula. That's one of the primary questions we're going to be asked when we get up to the Shemayim, which is. It's a piece of Yeshua that we await Yeshua, that we wait the Gula, that we that we that we daven for it, that we really wait for it. So Reb Chasko says these words. The reason why we lack in Aramuna in Gula is first of all because he says so logically, we've gone through so many times that there were Ramazim, there were hints that Mashiach is going to come. You go through all of the exiles. There were so many times when it looked so clearly that Mashiach was going to come, and he didn't come. So therefore, it's like a definite, like, okay, who says he's going to come this time? So even though we, there might be Ramazim that it looks like Mashiach is going to come, but we kind of like lose our faith in the belief. And the truth is, what we really have to strengthen ourselves is to say, no, we really want him to come. And what can I do on my end to ensure that he should come? The first thing is, is be mitzapa legula, be mitzapa to the Yeshua. Another thing he brings down, interesting, unbelievable. He says, we don't, the truth is, we don't really believe that Mashiach will come at this stage. We don't really believe, let's be honest with ourselves. Do we really believe that Mashiach is going to come at this stage in our lives? Come on, we've got so many things going on. And look at our generation. Listen to what he brings down. He ne ha chafetz chayim bismanet. Chafetz chayim in his times, used to say, He says that Melech HaMashiach, he doesn't have anybody that is a fitting 
Kaylee to accept Mashiach when he comes. And listen to this. The Chavitz Chaim was talking about in his generation, his generation going back to the 1930s when he passed away. In that generation, he said these words to Chavitz Chaim. We are in a generation of Yerida, constant, constant uh, falling compared to the previous generations. We are in a matzav haruchni, we're in a terrible, terrible level of, of um, spiritual uh, lessening. And there's no question that Mashiach needs to come. So Reb says, if the Chafetz Chaim said in his generation that there's only this kemat, no one that's there to receive Mashiach, what would he say about our generation? Reb was speaking 40 years ago. So he says, 40 years after the Chafetz Chaim was Nifter, when so many Gedolim have passed away, how is it possible for us to imagine that in this poor generation, this, how he calls it, um, uh, how do you say, uh, a generation of orphans, we're, we're so bereft of Ruchnius. How is it possible for us to imagine that Mashiach is going to come? So, Rav Chatzkel says, that gufa is the reason why we should strengthen ourselves. If we recognize, yes, there's only a few of us, when we say a few of us, in, in quantity and in quality, there's only a few of us. But if we still are a chakla, he has to come at this point. You know, I take a look at the political situation from my viewpoint, and I have to be very honest with you. We say certain things today, which no, we don't normally like to say these things. We like to believe that, you know, everyone is, if you're a Jew, you're good, and everything else. But I had a line that my, my grandfather used to say to me, and I always used to take it with a grain of salt, but I want to now you to, to understand it. Um, my grandfather used to say about certain people that they wear a yarmulke the size of a Pepsi Cola, Pepsi Cola top. He used to call Pepsi Cola juice. They're wearing a yarmulke which is so small you can't even see it. And yes, yes, it doesn't mean everyone has to wear a black yarmulke. It doesn't mean you have to wear, everyone has to wear a very large yarmulke. But the truth is, the halacha is that you... Um, you have to cover at least the majority of your head. It's a simple understanding. What's the purpose of a yarmulke? The purpose of a yarmulke is yare melech, is to have fear of heaven. When a person has a yarmulke the size of a Pepsi Cola top, I don't know if you guys remember, there used to be like bottles and you used to have to pull up the bottle, right? You had a Pepsi Cola top on it, a bottle cap. So I have to be honest, I'm not even going to say his name, but the, 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 the the upcoming prime minister, according to the all dictates of, of, of the way looks things look according to the Teva, is going to be a person who, ostensibly, he wears a kippah on his head. But I got to be honest, I don't even know how he keeps that kippah on the top of his head. It's really, really minute, shiba minute, shiba minute. And I think it's a very telling statement. And it's not to bash a particular person. It's really to, to really take a focus on where Medinat Israel is coming to. And I want to make some clarity on the issue. You know, you have a democracy. Democracy works by coalitions. All the different governments throughout the uh, generations of the, 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 the foundation of the state of Israel, they all worked on coalitions. The first generations were majority secular Jews, Ben-Gurion, the Labor Party, Histadrut, 
and they made coalitions sometimes with, with um, other people of their ilk, but they always kept in mind, in the end of the day, there was like a basic guideline of a status quo as far as religion was concerned, which included, uh, and there were fights about it, but it included that, you know, if you're born from a Jew that's a mother, you know, a Jewish mother, you're considered a Jew. And, they didn't, and that was a big question, do you change that law or not? Who is a Jew issue? But that was basically that. There was a concept of the Rabbanut, of having Orthodox rabbis that really make decisions about who is a convert, who's not a convert. Today, all of the rules and regulations, Rabbi Sai, are going to be thrown down the tube because the new Israeli is not interested in religion. And there could be a lot of ver variety of reasons behind that. But the main thing is they really have no Kesher to Yiddishkeit. And they want to introduce that the reform and the conservative um, conversion should be allowed. There should be an egalitarian area by the Kotel where both reform and conservative Jews can have their prayer services. And there should be women uh, services there. That the overwhelming majority of uh, yeshiva students, according to the, the dictates and the philosophy of many of these groups is that they should all go to the army to do army duty and um, to cut out funding for schools that don't introduce what's called LIBA. LIBA is to have secular studies within the Haredi system after eighth grade and even before eighth grade to introduce all different kinds of civics and, and you know, with LBGT and everything else that's the norm throughout the world. So I'm just giving you just a little bit of, a, of, a, of an understanding. There was a, a, a rally in Jerusalem unfortunately, yeah, for LGBT. And, um, and they interviewed a from Datilu Migron. Okay, Datilu Migron. And she expressed herself very, very well why she's going out to protest this. I'm not against people living their personal lives the way they live it, but when they go around in the streets of Jerusalem and they're creating a dynamics of a philosophy, which is the antithesis of the Torah, the antithesis of the Torah, then I have to protest because what it's doing is, is that it's grabbing hold of the reins of the children and the future generations' minds and creating havoc. And if you live in the United States of America and you know how difficult it is to maintain a balance of hashkafa and living a Jewish life the way we're supposed to live, when we're bombarded by a secular outlook, so how much more so when you're living in a country where the issues are mind-boggling? Because when we create a definition that this is not a Jewish state, when I say it's not a Jewish state, it means it's not really what a Jewish state is all about. It's not something which we can turn around and we can say for 2,000 years, this is what we wait for. This is Leos Chafshi Baratzenu. 2,000 years we waited for a country. We waited for to be able to come back to our homeland. What are we coming back to? Is this really what we aspire for? Now, what's going to be? What's going to be? You have to always take a look at the reality. And then you have to know that there's what's called beyond reality, which is that there's a spiritual dimension that's going on. This is a battle. 
This is a battle for the soul of the Jewish people. That's really what it comes down to. What is that soul? And over here, you, we have to learn how to, um, it's very interesting. There was a, a, a member of the, of the Knesset from the Likud party who spoke today on the radio. She said something very interesting. And this has to do with the whole discourse which is going on in the country. There's a lot of talk about that um, the, uh, they're giving um, security to some of the leaders of the party that is, only has six seats. That's Bennett and Shaked. And Bennett is going to get uh, the prime ministership, which is really an empty kind of prime ministership because he's really based upon what Lapid and Lieberman, you have to realize Lieberman is a person, Yvette Lieberman is completely, completely anti-religious in every aspect of his platform. And then you have even further to the left of him, he's like a right-wing anti-religious, the other one's a left-wing anti-religious. And Lapid, you know, I mean, the technical, this calling him centrist is really like a, a foolish way of looking at things. But the main thing I want to bring is like this. So this member of the Knesset said, she said, for the last two years, there have been, there have been uh, protests every single night, out, every single Matzi Shabbos, and thousands of people have gone and they protested against Bibi. They protested against other members. And she was one of the people, she said, she got threats about her children. We're going to kill your children. All these kind of crazy threats that people make. And she said she complained to the security in the Knesset. They said, no, nah, no, nah, nothing's going to happen to you. But now, all of a sudden, they're taking very, very seriously all of the threats against the members of the Knesset that are about to become the ruling party. Now, again, I don't think threats are, and, and, and death threats and, 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 and not niceties are, and cursing is not the way, that's not the discourse. But you have to know the emiss. And you have to stand up for the emiss. And standing up for the emiss is, is maybe not necessarily we're going to go protest. Stand, you know what standing up for the emiss is? Is Emes, Vyatsiv, Amuna, Vachai, Vikayim is going to Shul, is Davening, is doing the right thing, is making sure that the message goes out to your family, to your community, that what's right, what is the true Hashkaf of the Torah? And when I think about Parshish Kairach, and I saw this unbelievable insight that, you know, the Gemara says, Rashi brings down, uh, he was a Pikeach Kairach, he was a very smart person. Why did he do such a foolish thing and he ends up being swallowed up? And what was he, what was it, what was the, what was his pikpikchus? Now the truth is, if you go into the Chazals, you see that Kairach really was a big chacham. But how do we see it in the insight of the simple understanding of, of the of the parsha? The answer is, you know what his smartness was? Is that he hid his particular agenda. What was his true agenda? His true agenda was his jealousy that Eli Safan became the Nasi and he didn't become the Nasi and he thought that he was second in command. And he said that after Amram's children, Kahas's children should take over. But he never put that out to the fore in the platform, in the party platform. What was the party platform? The party platform is, why is Moshe Rabbeinu taking all of the credit and becoming the leader and giving out everything to his buddies, to Aaron and his family, so it came across as a very, very um, logical, reasonable argument. You're taking everything for yourself. You're not giving anything to anybody else. Like, we're not worth anything. Not taking into account that Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron were appointed by HaKadosh Baruch to do it. And that, look, at how can you compare yourself to Moshe Rabbeinu? Like, I remember once there was an argument that took place 
Moshe Feinstein, gave a psaq halacha concerning a certain issue. And there was a particular rabbi. And he said a line. The line was like this. Rabbi Feinstein is a rabbi, and I'm a rabbi. Rabbi Feinstein presents his position. I present my position. And if you knew who this rabbi, this particular rabbi was, he didn't come to the toenails of Moshe Feinstein. So Kairach, with all of his pikras, his pikras was clouded by the judgment of his, of his jealousy. So when we take a look at the political situation today, we could really like lose ourselves and say, whoa, what's happening? What's going to be? Sunday, they're going to vote in a new government. That's the way it looks. And that's what's going to happen. And we're not necessarily Zohar Ad Mashiach come by that time. So we're going to have to live for a while with a government which has an anti, as far as I'm concerned, an anti-real Israel state. You know, Bibi is not a tzaddik, but he has, he had the understanding that when it comes to certain basic things, he allows the Haredim, he allowed the, 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 the people in the, in the country to live a Jewish life, to live it the way Jews are supposed to live. I was in Shul this week. I have a particular friend of mine, Davin's there. He's in the high tech. And he's a, a guy who wears a kippah suga. And he said to me afterwards, Rabbi Liff, I want to tell you. He says, you know, I voted for the, for the Mizrahi party, whatever the Mizrahi party, without saying which one, I didn't vote for Bennett. He says, I want to tell you, he says, he's, he's, they're not only out to get the Haredim, they're out to destroy all vestiges of my sons who learned in Hezder. That's what they really want. And that's a scary thing. That's a scary thing. So how do we deal with that scare? You know how we deal with that scare? Like my downstairs neighbor, as we were going up in the elevator after my my French downstairs neighbor, Mr. Kriev, a person who was an accountant in Paris who moved here. He learns every day in a kailo in the morning, uh, older man learning in a kailo. And I said to him, no, he says, we're in the hands of HaKadosh Baruch Like Chazal say, there's only one force that we can rely on. It's to daven HaKadosh Baruch That's what we have to daven. We're not going to change anything overnight, but we're going to daven. We're going to keep our mitzvahs. We're going to be going to the daven Yaimi. Our children are going to be learning Mishnayas. Our children, are, no matter what's going to happen, the yeshivas are not going to stop. The chadorim are not going to stop. The, the Hezder boys are going to continue to learn. They're going to carry a, a, a weapon in one hand in the, and they're going to have a safer in the other hand. The yeshiva boys and the kolim, they're going to be putting out, knocking out svarim. If I tell you about the, the, the new safer that I got from one of the Niryaka Talmudim of Yankee Scotchless this week, two, two new svarim, that's just one of the many. I go to shul in the morning. Dozens and dozens of swarm that are being compiled by Tabidah Chachamim, Avrechim, who are being Isaac and Taira. And the Taira, Rabbi Isai, is our Haganah. If you're going to keep the mitzvahs and you're going to keep the Taira, you're going to toil in Taira, then HaKadosh Baruch is going to save us. You know, we're in the month of Tammuz. And the part that I said over today, everyone knows that the word Tammuz has an acronym. It's an acronym which stands for 
The times of tshuva are about to come in. And the Chaim quipped another one. He said, Tizdare's maher v'tilmag sheva. Tizdare's maher. Quickly, be mazarez yourself, Tammuz. Tizdare's maher v'tilmag. And learn sheva. Sheva means 724. We learn 24 7, guys. 24 7. Shabbos Kodesh is coming up. Rish Kodesh Tammuz is coming up. Tizdare's. We quicken ourselves. Maher, quickly. The Tilmud, and we learn Sheva. That's our Eitzah. And that's why we look at that's why we look at the situation today. Yes, of the We can use the same words. We don't lose faith because our faith is not in the Medina. Our faith is in Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And if the Medina is some sort of vehicle to bring people and to allow people to learn Torah, then we support the Medina, and we're part of the Medina. If for some reason we're going to be in a situation where we can't depend upon the Medina for anything, we're still going to continue to do Aravoda. Because we daven and we pray that the schus of the Torah should be a schus for all of those people that live in Eretz Yisrael that want to have the Kedusha of Eretz Yisrael. And I have to tell you, that the overwhelming majority of the people in Eretz Yisrael, they have a feeling that there's something called Shabbos, there's something called Kashrus. Not everybody, but the overwhelming majority. And we're going to be amazed by the miracles, the Nisim, Be'ez Hashem Yisbarach, we're going to be Zohar to. I want to give a bracha to everybody. This is Kodesh, Tammuz, Tovshin, Pe'alev, Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Pashas Kairach, we daven that the Rabbanu should give Eitzah and Toshia to um, those that are able to do the right things. And we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that in the end of the day, HaKadosh Baruch is the Balabas. We turn to him and we ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaShiva Shavteinu Kvarishona, Yoatzeinu Kvatchila, return back the original Shavtim, the original Yotzim, and remove all of the sorrows, all of the difficulties. Thank you for listening to this Foundation's podcast production. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment. Thank you and have a wonderful day.